This is John Beethan, your host on the Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Today's episode is number 58, titled Enneagram Wisdom, The Alchemy of You with Juris Pappas. It's subtitled Nine Essential Archetypes of Awakening. We've also included some outtakes from the podcast in the beginning, about three and a half minutes. That's in case you don't have a lot of time to listen to the whole hour and 15 minute podcast, but want to get a quick overview of the Enneagram. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and of course iPhone, Google Play Music, Stitcher, subscribe on Android, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, subscribe by the RSS feed. You can get our app as well. Subscribe by mail. You can also listen to us on YouTube. I knew nothing about the Enneagram before I met Jerice, and today is just awesome because it is an hour and 15 minutes, and now for the show. Imagine, listeners, that you're looking at a circle, Mm -hmm. and at the top of the circle on the top left, there is the eight, and the top tippy top of the circle is the nine, and then there's the one, the eight, nine, one. These are all part of what's called the the, the belly or instinct triad. Mm. So by by nature, this all three of these styles begin knowing they know their truest truth in their gut. Right? And the 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 integration point, um, what they they all either resist or have a a challenge with is anger. That mm-hmm. tends to be the that's the that's the the emotion to transform uh, the, their relationship to. That's not to mean that every other type doesn't deal with anger or have anger. But the the eights, for instance, as the protectors and the uh, the more dominating type, they would need to manage their expression of anger. Um, they they can be considered the the commanders and um, or are all about solidarity um, and social causes. There's different expressions depending on their emotional style as well. Um, they can also be about, um, you know, just having an in, just in, indulgent satisfaction in living. So, uh, just wanted to give a little bit of a flavor about the the eights, the eights, and the enneagram. They are the ultimate protector. And again, I want to emphasize we all have all styles in us. The other beautiful things about the enneagram is it's so not personal. Yeah. You know, when you see, like you were saying, I was as I was describing qualities, you were thinking of people in your life. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yes. While we are, uh, thank you, the fours in the enneagram. While we are all these unique snowflakes, at the same time, you get to see, wow, all of humanity shares mm-hmm. in this unfolding, and there's so much more to us as humans. But it explains a lot, and it gives us a, a compassionate bridge to be able to relate, have compassion uh, and understanding, and also be able to better listen to mm-hmm. where is this other person coming from? Why might they be being that way? So I, I just I, I bow down to the wisdom of this system. Like you cannot believe, um, it has opened an intimacy in myself that now, okay, 
Sometimes I feel a lot of fear. Sometimes I feel a tremendous amount of anxiety. Um, but I am, I know it's going to pass, like the clouds yeah. pass in the sky. Um, I'm grateful for the support system that I do have. I have one. Um, and uh, it continues to reopen open me to living to living in faith. And it's why I'm meeting here with you because I want to support others in unwadding themselves mm-hmm. so that they can live the the true gift of their not only the, not only their originating enneagram type but that they we, we can become integrated human beings and enjoy the gifts of the other types Welcome back to Alternative Health Tools. My name is John Beethan. I'm your host. And today we have a really special guest, somebody that's actually in one of my referral groups here in Carlsbad, California. And Jerice has been studying the Enneagram for how long, Jerice? 15 years. Okay. And how do you properly pronounce your last name? Pappas. Pappas. Sounds Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yep. A story in New York. Originally Papademus. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yes. But, you, but I understand you weren't in New York all that long, right? No, just a few years. Yeah. Consider, nice. I consider myself a global citizen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I'm from New York, though. Yeah, I love New York. Absolutely love it. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, it, it's worth saying that when we first met in the referral group, but I always sensed there was something much deeper about you. And then this whole thing with the Enneagram came out. And, of course, I've heard of it. But I know nothing about it, and I'm sure most people listening know nothing about it. And we are graced with your presence today to let us know about it. So a little history about the Enneagram would be a lot of fun. Well, thank you, John. I recall when I was in that networking group that morning that what I wanted to say was my true passion uh, that I moved to San Diego to, to lead with Mm-hmm. is to share the the power of the Enneagram and what the Enneagram has opened up in my life. So uh, it's perfect that this is the first thing we're really doing together mm-hmm. um, from a business standpoint out of that networking group. So my life unfolded um, in probably in ways that many people's lives unfolded. At first, we are born and we're these beautiful baby beings and with our eyes, you know, full of pure possibility. And, and then there's what I say, life happens. Mm. And to uh, skip to, you know, not going into so much story, um, but it, it, it sparked in me, in my particular soul, a longing to wake up, a longing to be as conscious a human being as I possibly could be. And so, can you actually identify that feeling? Identify the feeling of yeah, just the feeling of wanting to be conscious. Was it a physical thing or a mental mind thing? Um, it came out of um, an existential crisis to me that happened oh. as a young person and having um, almost 
to the point of wanting to commit suicide, having mm. a really an existential crisis and a period of dark nights of the soul as a young person. Mm. Um, and then it was like a rainbow bridge presented, and I became curious about how to have how to have meaning in this life, and how to, uh, for me, which would be very in sync with my enneagram type, how to live. Um, in right alignment with my highest self, how to live in direct connection with, by faith, by by true true faith, not faith in something else, faith in an intrinsic knowing of from the inside from out. the inside out. Mm-hmm. So um, it was the enneagram. It was the study of the enneagram that opened me, reopened me reopened the possibility of living in this most connected, alive, full way, unbridled. I moved to California in 95, Mm. and I was following a trajectory of transformational studies. I studied many, 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 many different modalities since my early 20s and moved to California uh, in 95, living in Marin, working in San Francisco for 20 years, you could only imagine how many modalities I exposed, I was exposed to. And the Enneagram was one of them. And so what I would, um, what I, what I think I would like to, to talk about yeah, absolutely. is, uh, to give a, um, a little bit of an overview. This is, um, to give a, a bit of history, the, the Enneagram is an over 2,000-year-old system of understanding the nature of humanity. It has uh, – I'm not a historian. I'm just going to out with that. So this is going to be brief from that standpoint. Um, but there were – I actually prefer it. Philosophical mm-hmm. minds such as Gurdjieff. Um, so it, it was arising in the East. It was arising in the Middle East. And so these minds were um, uncovering this um, this way of knowing how consciousness moves through us as humans, essentially. Okay, so it's a little bit like unlocking the Da Vinci Code. Mm. There are brilliant, brilliant minds all around the world right now lending them lending their, themselves to unfolding the brilliance of how we can know ourselves more truly. Mm-hmm. So there's many different lenses to look at the Enneagram from and through. The one that most resonates with me is a more spiritual one. And I think of our, of, of all of us um, being these beings that, are, that have a holographic map living inside of us. And so imagine that consciousness comes through us, a bit like a, a prism, right? And you have this collective um, prism of humanity. And as the light of consciousness comes through, it deflects into nine different colors mm. and or nine different styles of being human, nine different ways we respond, react to the world, the way we get our needs met, the way we move through the world. And this can be seen as early as when we are little children. When we're little children, life happens. 
and something something happens and we make decisions, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, of course, this is all audio, but so for our listeners, imagine that you're looking at a circle mm-hmm. that is shaped like a, a round clock. And uh, at the top of at the top of the clock is the number nine. So there's essentially uh, nine nine different styles, and it goes nine one two three four five six seven eight, and back to nine. Right? Mm-hmm. Nine is um, at the top of the circle because nine the, the nine the little the little the little nines in the world are the ones who are truly most connected to the oneness. To source, so these little beings were born and decided when life when life happened. They made they made a decision a little down the ways that um, hmm maybe maybe it's safer to to not be important uh, to to how how it, to not be separate. Um, these beings are more more concerned with peace and unity, and oneness. And so the feeling to, you know, how to, how to not be separate. And so uh, as children, they decide, I don't want to, I want to avoid conflict. Hmm. I want to avoid that feeling of separateness, right? So it's, the nines are almost like the, the untype type of yes. human being. Um, almost like an anomaly. Almost like, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, not wanting to, not wanting to be seen as a specific form. Mm. So then you go to the the one, the one. And we're going around the clock. Um, now we go to clockwise. The, clockwise. The one child um, is they are fixated when 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 life. Blow, gives up one of their first blows, so to speak. They they want to return to the amazing perfection of God. Um, the the one child is oriented around goodness, always wanting to improve themselves to be good. So that's their de- that's their decision. That in order to be loved, I need to be good. That they're and they see it that there is a right and the wrong, and they're always looking to measure themselves according to that kind of a standard. And then the little two person, you know, because it's really like a little person. Oh, I know, I right? Love this. A little, yeah. The little person, the little two person decides, hmm, in order to be loved, I need to be needed, mm. and. So, so can I stop you and ask a question? Sure. So I'm looking at in order. You said in order to get love, mm-hmm. whatever. So, is it always a needing thing to fulfill love, and is it also ever turned around to say in order to in order to be love, in order to be giving love, or are these as a little person the needs of a little person? Well. The need word comes in specifically with the two. Okay. When the when life when the first kind of break from um, a loving orientation happens, mm-hmm. the need to be needed is what drives the two in the enneagram. 
Got it. Okay. And then what this little child then is going to do, try to do and do is really seduce the other person to be able to show how can I fulfill that need. And the little two is going to be that fulfillment of that need so that they are always needed in the hope of being loved. Mm. Okay. So it's the two's version. Um, and this is extremely simplistic. Okay. Mm. This is extremely simplistic. The Enneagram is actually very, very complex. And so I feel that there's, if we were able to speak of this in very simple terms and um, inviting, you know, the listeners to let themselves go back to when they were a little person, a little child. And mm-hmm. usually one thing happened uh, and comp- compounded by other things. And to quote my, um, my Enneagram colleague and friend, Sarah Davis, we get all wadded up. You know, first we come into this life as this blank canvas, and then, you know, a dog barks at us, a teacher yells at us, you know, somebody looks at us cross-eyed, and next thing you know, we end up like this wadded up little ball. I, I, love, the, I love the analogy. And, but we don't all wad up the same way. We don't all wad up the same way. We don't all wad up the same way. And the, 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 the brilliance of this system is to unwad ourselves, mm. to reopen ourselves to the, the wisdom of our birthright, of the style of human we were actually born to be. Mm. And um, and another point, I know I'm taking a, a pause here to give more of an overview. overview. Every, every type has its what we call a fixation. Uh, another way of saying it, how we begin to compromise our natural flow, our natural way of moving in the world. Mm-hmm. Every style gets fixated a different way, right? When we unlock... That wad, as we re-blossom, as we return to uh, the original blessed whole state of ourselves, but we we only need to work on the fixation of the style we were originally born in. One once that's open, we have access to the gifts of every one of these nine types. Every one of these nine types. So that's actually the good news. Yeah, no kidding. So, so moving on. So we were just on um, on the two, um, and I was mentioning that the two um, wants to get get their love by being something special to someone. And um, so, and and moving on, then we have the little the little three in the enneagram. Yeah, and just so people, if you're visualizing this, it's 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 about four o'clock somewhere around there on a on a dial. On Correct. A clock. Right. The yes. So, or the, actually, another way of saying it, it would be um, southeast. Southeast, yes. And um, and if you Google the enneagram, you will see you could easily find a circle with all of these interesting relationships of these lines and the positions well, of yeah. all of the numbers. So, I will ask you to uh, later on to actually send me to a the image you'd like to use, and we'll include it in the show notes. Perfect. There's actually one with the the rainbow color, uh, which I f- find to be perfect for our 
the prism of consciousness and these nine colors of all of the souls that we are. So back to the three. So the three, the little three decides, I am what I do. Hmm. So imagine this little person running around and um, all of a sudden, you know, mommy says, oh, sweetie, that was so fabulous what you did, right? And the, 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 the type three being in the Enneagram is like, huh, okay, if I do more of that, I'm going to get more accolades, right? Of course, that's not going to be what a five-year-old says, but I'm going to be what I do, you know, or it could be the unfortunate thing of uh, someone, you know, giving a crushing blow to a little person saying that they're worthless, and the the little being yeah. decides, you know, no way, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to become the most productive little doing machine that walks this earth. So you end up getting the, the, the contrast. I, I like people like that. Yeah. So moving on to the four, the little four in the Enneagram is the reluctant soul, or what can be referred to as the tragic romantic and they can feel like they got the wrong life. That um, they, and they decided that since I'm already in trouble being here, you know, I need to f- I need to focus my attention on what is really me. Who is the Who is the real me? Who is the original authentic me? Mm-hmm. And when I can present that unique me to the world, then I'll be loved. So um, you know, in a way, we're all we're all a we're all the snowflake, right? But the 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 little four in the enneagram, they it's very important for them to be seen as the precious, unique snowflake that they are. So they and 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 what I want to also say, just as a pause here, is each and every one of us have the gifts. Uh, and the way of being, the whole gestalt of every style is available within us. The value of learning your original style and unwadding where we get fixated and compromised and turn into that wad is then we can open up to all of this. So the fours do not have the entire corner on the snowflake. All of us <laughs> are a precious, unique snowflake. Yeah. Just want to say that. Moving on to the five. So the little five, they see that, wow, they have this connection to omniscience and having, um, having the mind of God. And so they become on a quest to having as much knowledge as they possibly can. Their commerce becomes what they know. And they want to know, no, 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 no. And that becomes their way of having power in this world. The six is in the world, moving on to the, we're going around the circle. The sixes see that this world is a bit of a scary place. And there is a lot that is, uh, a lot that's uncertain. And the sixes want to um, be, they're on, we're essentially on a quest to have, to have certainty. Because it seems as though in this life, the other shoe could always drop. But the gift, one of the gifts is that the, the six, 
the unwatted little six has this connection to faith. Uh, has this un- when when we are relaxed in our being, to to not to not worry. So the six is actually the doorway in our being to living in faith and trust that we are always taken care of. Awesome. Uh, you know, at this point, I also wanted to say is that as you go around this wheel and mention a particular number, I think of myself, I look for it within myself, and then I look for it with people I know. Mm. And some people are just popping out all over the place here. It's fun. Isn't it fun? Yeah. Now, the sevens. The sevens in the world, they are um, most in touch with the the, the bliss of God. Um, they are, the, in a ways, the ultimate um, adventurers. Um, but the little seven decides that, uh, that the world is never going to feed them, that mother's milk is not coming unless they go get it themselves. Hmm. And it's interesting because it's not what the adult seven necessarily looks like. So it's interesting to know hmm. what, where did this fixation start? What was deprived that activates a, a fixated orientation to survive the rest of your life. Um, and then this little six, the little sorry seven also decides that they don't want to be trapped or stopped by anybody um, and that they need to go out and get it themselves. Mm-hmm. And they often look like they're having a great time doing it. Um, but that's the, the seven aspect of our, ourselves and little the seven children. They are deciding basically that to to go get it themselves and have a great time doing it. The eights in the world, the little eight decides that this world is all about power. Hmm. Who has the power? And the little eight doesn't ever want to be on the wrong side of power. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you you said that pretty seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's serious business to the to the to the little eight. Yeah. yeah. And um so power um ends up becoming um you know, their 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 commerce and um they decide they're going to be as powerful um as they possibly can be and never let anyone else have power over them, mm. uh, and ultimately do want to use it for the good. So that is a that is a little tour, so to speak, um, from one from one standpoint um, around the enneagram. And again, I want to say that the enneagram is essentially um, it's like a there's a holographic map lives inside of us. And it's essentially how consciousness flows through us. And uh, each of us, you know, each of these nine types remembers something special, something unique about that state, about that oneness that existed before we were born. And we all have a, a, a memory and have a unique way to remind each other. So there, there isn't any type. Let me just also uh, say that no type is better off 
than another. Mm-hmm. No type is easier than another. When, when any type is wadded up and fixated and compromised, we're cut off from our highest self. We're cut off from the full expression of our aliveness. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just I can't wait to see where this goes. I, I'm imagining that part of the work might be to experience what it might be like to walk into another number's moccasin, so to speak. So in a model I'm familiar with when I studied NLP was, you know, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And it was pointed out to me that I was highly visual and didn't really experience much, um, some auditory, but very little kinesthetic. And that, you know, it's okay, but, you know, there's a whole other world available to you, you know, the kinesthetic. So I started doing things that were more feely, touchy, kinesthetic, how it felt, mm-hmm. you know, which was awesome because my world just opened up. So we sort of do the same thing here? Well, <clears throat> we, we can. Um, it's interesting because this is all audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and... One of my particular gifts with the Enneagram is being able to see how the energetics move through another person to be able to reflect back Mm -hmm. and support them in knowing what their originating type is. Mm -hmm. So, Do you have a sense for what I might be? I do. So let's just talk about it. Let's just cut to the chase. Okay. Give give everybody, including myself, yourself, and everybody listening, a little bit of an experience. Okay. I'm okay with that. All right. This will be fun. So one of the things I notice as I'm sitting here uh, looking at you, John, mm-hmm. is that it seems as though you are easy maintaining eye contact with me. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yes. And this isn't necessarily probably just about me. In general, right? do you find that you actually prefer when yes. you're able to sit with another and and keep eye contact. Yeah, if I'm in a gr- if I'm in a group of people, I always navigate towards the people that establish contact. You know, eye contact. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't always like that. Okay. So, so what does having that eye contact open up for you? For me, why do you why do you enjoy it? Why do you seek it out? Well, I seek it out because it allows me to be more transparent with people, so people can see me for who I really am. Mm. So I'm not, you know, when when I'm when I wide open, I opened, and you know, establishing contact. There's, I'm not hiding anything. So it sounds like you really value being seen and being transparent. Yes, and I value that in others too, and almost demand it. So this would be a very wonderful place for us to lean into, wouldn't it? To lean get, into, sure. lean into, to. Uh, to begin to get to the originating motivations of your type. One thing that I also want to say is that behavior does not distinguish type. Mm. There can be 10 people doing the same behavior, right? Um, And so it depends on what is the motivation that is producing that behavior that is more of an indication of where one starts in the Enneagram. Mm. Okay. So, so what, so what has you, what has, when you're saying you demand, um, almost demand, really prefer strong preference mm-hmm. around being transparent and having others be transparent. Why? 
why in myself or why with others? Both. Well, when when I when I if we're just talking eye contact, then I'm I'm more in my body. I'm not in my head. I'm in my body. I'm in my heart, mm. and I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of the tingling in my toes if I have that. Mm-hmm. And with other people, um, part of it is just a wa- a willingness. Wanting to give somebody a different kind of an experience than they might have with most people and let them know it's okay and let them know that they can be loved without having any kind of hidden agenda or anything else. Mm. Would to, you, yeah, to be able to walk around this world, to be open like that, it's really just fun and quite lovely. It sounds like it's, um, you're actually saying that it's maybe even our birthright to be able to be that way. That it is. I would say that. Would you say that um, at your core, you enjoy providing a safe space um, in a way, living that way, so that you are then leading the way um, for others to feel safe to fully be themselves in this world? Very well said. Right. I'd never used the word lead before, but obviously that's a part of it. Right. Thank you. I'm sitting here with goosebumps right now. Yeah, me too. So there is one particular place on this circle of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. There's one particular style that has this gift that you are giving me, even in this podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, and others by, through your eye contact, Feeling your presence, you're bringing yourself into a grounded, present place of safety and knowingness. And then in doing that, you're also opening this, making it safe for others. Mm -hmm. The six in the Enneagram is the, the type that has that can have in their highest place right we so we we actually went to a in your answer because you've clearly done so much work on yourself we're going to one of the highest expressions of six the six would knows that no one is better or worse than another absolutely and we are able i say we because i'm also a six oh awesome welcome thank you It's good to be here. And nothing delights us more than being able to provide a place for authenticity, safety, and realness Mm. for people to show up in their truest, in their truest, highest place. That is the ultimate gift of the six. Yeah. And we're looking at the chart right now. Faith, support of God, no need to worry. Right. Right. That's so powerful. It's very powerful. Um, so let's um, so let's let's lean in a little bit more here. So you say you were saying you weren't always this way, right? So you know, usually, usually we got bumped up against by life at one point or another, mm-hmm. and, and clearly you've done your work and unwatted yourself to use that 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 term. I actually love it, unwatted. Unwatt ourselves. After this is over, I'm going to get a piece of paper, wad it up, and then unwatt it consciously. 
right? <laughs> we did this. Uh, we did this the other night at the meetup. It was fantastic. Really? Literally. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite visual. Just wadding, wadding up a piece of paper and then op- opening back up again, reopening and being yourself conscious to the, of it. being conscious of it and reopening yourself up to the blank canvas that you started out with. Awesome. And then goodbye and then hello again. Yeah. So the thing that can unravel a mm-hmm. six, the thing that can, the thing that can, shall I say, uh, have us contract and wad us up. Mm-hmm can be if we begin to believe our mind um, around thoughts that uh, start that snowball of doubt, where we start to doubt ourselves, or we begin to be afraid of the other shoe dropping. Mm. Have you ever had any experiences when you were younger that had you not trust life? Oh, yeah, several. We'll say a little bit about All it. All right. So, I mean, basically, I'm having memories pop up right now. So, one was three, four years old, sitting in front of the television one afternoon, watching Liberace play piano, because I have a music background, right? And I just was crying. And my mother honestly didn't know what to think. So, there was a sense that maybe that didn't feel too safe for her. And then, and I sort of think my parents didn't largely didn't know what to do with me because of those things. And then, you what, know, what had you crying? Tell me what, the music. You were so moved. Oh yeah, uh-huh. absolutely crying, not from pain, but from just joy. Joy, you were blissed out. And I've had several of those experiences, and often with music, okay. it still comes. But you know, love it. And then, what what would you say, little John decided when your mother didn't know how to relate to you? Well, I think there was a period where I shut down because mm-hmm. in a sense, there, I think I probably little Johnny, because they used to call me Johnny, uh-huh. Johnny probably thought that um, wasn't safe or accepted or normal or whatever. So really from a very young age, I was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, according to my parents, my mother and sisters, um, I didn't speak at all much until I was about, I don't know, eight years old or seven years old. And then one day they couldn't shut me up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So right around that time, I probably discovered or gave myself permission to express myself more. Mm. And at that point, I was taking piano lessons too. So that had a lot to do with it, I'm sure. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then another example would be... um, if I'm answering the question correctly, as if there was a correct answer, is that uh, in high school and stuff, I was working. And at some point, my father had a friend that had a pipe business and wanted me to apprentice as a pipe fitter. And I was I was playing electric bass in a rock and roll band. And uh, there's just no way I wanted to do it. I lasted less than a day. I just walked away from it. And of course, you know, it didn't go over real well with my father. <laughs> and then I had a similar uh, instance where he got me working in a kitchen at a pretty well-known hotel that a friend of his owned. Same deal. I think I lasted two days and walked away. I just can't, I can't be in situations that don't feel right. Mm. Mm. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Quality of life means more to me than a standard of living. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the that is the absolute 
highest, you know, well, you're, you're quite blessed in a lot of ways. You, mm. you, you, you somehow through grace maintained uh, quite a connection to yourself mm-hmm. that in spite of some, shall I say, dissension or, or mm-hmm. misunderstanding of who you were from even your parents, mm-hmm. um, you were able to still stay true to yourself and regardless of not knowing how it's going to turn out, mm-hmm. you are a- we are able to live in a more faith-driven way. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And from the inside out. So, in the in the the any, well, I'm going to go back to um, well, I'll just say in the enneagram you have on either side of your number, or mm-hmm. as you're going around the circle, mm-hmm. you have um, five on one side, and you you have seven on the other side. Oftentimes, we um, borrow uh, the qualities of 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 one of the other sides to um, becomes an uh, an ad, an adjunct uh, mm-hmm. where it, it enhances our thriving in life, mm-hmm. surviving in life. Would you say um, that you have any, in terms of gaining knowledge, um, do you have any propensity in that direction? Gaining knowledge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's times I take on... I have a voracious appetite for knowledge, and I go, don't, uh, dig pretty deep and study, but I don't stay there long. Mm-hmm. I always come back. It's sort of like study, you know, like go deep into it and then just put it to bed mm-hmm. and then see how it applies. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that came largely from 25 to 32 studying at a place called the Lewis Foundation, and the program was meditate, study, apply, repeat. Mm-hmm. So it was just like study, meditate, apply, and see how it applies. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, and it's been a lot different for me lately. Yeah. So knowledge. that's more of a that's more of a of a dive to enhance your passion mm-hmm. than. Um, but I'm doing less of it now, and I think part of the reason I've I had these realizations that. If I simply applied everything that's come to me in my life for the last 64 years, I don't need to know anything else. You already have everything you need. Yeah. Right, right. So now it's just a matter of experiencing. Right. That's beautiful. Because um, when sixes are living in faith, we're mm-hmm. trusting what comes through the, through us mm-hmm. and uh, and are allowing ourselves in, to be guided moment to moment. Mm-hmm. It is really the highest level of living that a six can live Mm. um then on the i'll just we'll just lean in a little bit on the seven side that the seven um so if if a six has a seven wing then you know there would be a strong attraction to having fun adventure distraction humor um and you know me well enough to know that's true Yes, I, I would probably say that if there were, if you were to have one wing that were stronger than the other, it would be the seven wing. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to keep things light, um, might might be might be the mo- might be the motivation. Mm. Um, so, in you know, in this situation, you know, speaking with you, um, the, the this you're you're actually pretty you're pretty evolved, John. So it's quite a compliment. I, I, um, I'm sorry. Should I leave now? 
Um, let me. Let thank me, you. You're, you're welcome. Um, there's. It's easy in a certain way to get to the the heart. You're giving me the heart of what it is to be a healthy six mm. in the in the enneagram. When the, when a six is very healthy, um, a six will have. You see how there's a there's a primary circle, the yes. six three nine. Yes. So the the direction there's the line to nine, mm-hmm. uh, the about peace and unity and oneness mm-hmm. that no one is separate. Um, there is a way that we as sixes, when we are in our happy place, we have this direct connect to source. And can relax around the what the efforting. Mm-hmm. So when we're in our fixated place, there's a lot more hoofing to make things happen. Um, fear, um, you know, the six were part of the mind group. There's 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 the heart, there's the heart, the head, and the gut or the belly. So. Um, Again, without, I don't want to get too much into that because our listeners aren't looking at the map right now. But this five, six, and seven, the camp that you and I are, are originating in, we're part of the mind group and, mm. um, and are very aware though of fear. We're aware of fear in the world. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. It's mostly how other people experience it. That's how I experience it. Say more about that. Well, <clears throat> this present day, you know, late part of August, excuse me, October 2016, we have a situation going in the, you know, in the Mideast, in the East that is potentially very, very dangerous. And I see people get really worked up and fearful of it. I don't feel the fear, but I'm aware of it in others more than and then there's times I have fear about my own possible circumstance. Like this is the last episode of the podcast in this studio before I move, you know, and moving is an example. I'm paying a lot more than I was before. And initially there was a fear and I simply say to myself, what do I decision do I need to make for God's vision for grace in my life? Mm. And the fear is gone. Mm. And then it shows up. Not the fear, but the solution and the mm-hmm. grace. Make sense? It, it it totally makes sense. Was there a, was there a time in your life where um, where fear mm-hmm. might have unraveled you? But totally. Can you say a little more? Sure. About that? In two thousand eight, I was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico at that time, separated from a relationship I was in for ten years, and having a very difficult time in a business I was doing with somebody and it was a lousy match, just not great. Interesting person, but just not a good fit. I was under a lot of stress and a lot of fear, tons of fear, and became suicidal. Mm-hmm. And how did that turn? How did, how did you, what was, the, what was the rainbow bridge that opened? How did you, tra- uh, how did you transmute the fear? Well... I've become pretty isolated. I isolated myself, living by myself, not in a great place. Had done 400, 500 episodes of podcasting. And uh, actually one day somebody reached out to me in an email about a podcast that I, I had done with Paul Horn, flute player, and said it was anyway awesome and he wanted to talk to me. 
One thing that would be useful for the listeners, if you'd be willing to go there, mm -hmm. is when this period happened, mm -hmm. right, before the Rainbow Bridge started to present, mm -hmm. what decisions did you begin to make about yourself? They might have even been familiar decisions that you might have made when you were a younger person mm -hmm. in when the little wad started happening. Yeah. Sometimes we had wad reoccurrence. Yeah. So this was big wad reoccurrence in 2008. If you can speak to what decisions you made about yourself, if you would be willing to be that vulnerable, that would be very helpful. Decisions at the time of the dark night of the soul. That you were making be about yourself. Yeah. I, I, the decision, or, sure. or life. How life that is. That I should never, ever stray too far from music. Because I had been managing artists and that got essentially pulled away from me. And it was a wonderful time doing all that. And I was just doing so much that I just really didn't want to do and it wasn't me and I it was more of a vow to straighten it myself you know to figure this out do what I needed to do and get myself back to a place where I was more involved in music on some level mm -hmm. and then I get this email from this guy great podcast with Paul Horn amazing blah 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 we have become very good friends and he has a uh, Snapshots Music and Arts Foundation in San Diego, California. And Jonathan, I'm grateful to you. Thank you. You know, I'd like to just for a second lean over here in the, the four territory okay. um, with you because I... How are we doing on time? We're great. Oh, we're good? Okay. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm still listening really clean, keenly for what was... The you know because the where when there's a breakdown mm -hmm. that the the style of breakdown tends to be most indicative of type, mm -hmm. and so um, it's less useful for us to speak in a transformed way sometimes. Okay. So I'm trying to get to the little bit of the nitty gritty, um, the way you answered that question. Mm -hmm had me somewhat want to lean a little bit away from six for a minute. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, do you ever have feelings of not feeling enough? Um, does that ever plague sure. you? It does. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Is it more not being enough than not being unique enough? Um. No, not really. It's usually associated with filling someone else's expectation of me. Fulfilling somebody else's expectation of right. you. And what why what would be driving you to fulfill somebody's ex somebody's expectation? Probably because of an agreement of some sort. But what do you want? What do you what do you what are you trying to get from them to f by fulfilling their expectations? What do you what do you need? What what's the need that you're trying to fulfill by fulfilling their expectations? I'm a little lost here. Um, um, maybe some level of sustainability on a business and financial level. Sustainability. Yeah. So. It then, therefore, you know, you're you're perfect. You're doing great. Um, then that actually dovetails back to certainty and safety. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. 
Okay. So it's trying to get things back on the even keel, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Because when, okay, so we're back to the six camp again. Because when six is when we wobble, right? Mm -hmm. It's suddenly we don't, we've lost, we've lost uh, hold of being able to have the direct access to that faith. All of a sudden, a shield of sorts, doubt, fear, puts a shield and we don't have access to that to the faith that really is our nature. So how sometimes we we try to steady ourselves mm-hmm. by um, either aligning somebody who um, is so there's an I don't want to get too complicated, but people who enjoy um, connecting with eye contact like this uh, like we do, um, that's a style of getting our emotional needs met. That's called one to one. Okay, it's a it's a so we will often align with one other um, relation. You know, and it, what's the the motivation behind that is um, a safety. There's also juice in it because we also as one to one sixes can like intensity. You know, the more intense it is, oh, it's juicy. It's it's there's more juice in it, right? You're really you're 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 with yeah, I'm me. Shaking you're shaking, yes. right, shaking it up. You're shaking your shaking it right. You're feeling this. Yeah. Right. So there's a little bit of a combination of a dance here with mm-hmm. how you emotionally get your needs met and your and your originating style that's playing into the story that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And the way that sometimes a six will try to get themselves back on the steady is to start, you know, what can I trust? What? Wh- how do I make things certain? How do I get, get things safe again? Right? Mm-hmm. And then we can then start getting fixated into doing things that seem to make us safe. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to... I might go against myself a little bit and go get this job because I need to make money, but then that job really isn't in alignment with your goals and values. So then we we can end up taking ourselves off course, right? Uh, and yeah, I have done that. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's um, yeah. Actually, when I was <clears throat> moved back from Santa Fe back to Portland, I was there for a couple of years, and. Uh, Interesting. Took an ass- taking a sales job selling supplements in a Costco. <laughs> you know, I was the guy behind the table wearing a hairnet, giving out samples. But here's the thing. Right. I had had a, I'm happy to talk about a nasty little heart attack in 2009. And I was in cardiac rehab and I was on a bunch of drugs, statins and all the rest of it. I couldn't function. And I knew at the same time that I was coming from an extreme stressful situation, IT work, a podcasting business and a bunch of other stuff and i was not going to go back and do that so i answered this ad in craigslist answered this jobs in craigslist yeah i I saw that Uh uh-huh anyway and uh took this job showed up went through a training couldn't schedule me for a week but the guy handed me a bottle of this liquid coenzyme q10 so i took it home started doing shots of it five days later in the morning i woke up alive and I hit the I hit the sales floor at Costco and became one of the top salespeople in two weeks, and then things got better and better and better and better, and everything mm. was great, and I was making really good money and traveling, which I love to do, and flying all over the Northwest, training people, created 
this university for training because I couldn't because I had an IT background. I developed websites and stuff, but I couldn't get around. So I did that, and the company sort of took notice and then moved me down to Carlsbad, mm. and uh, <clears throat> then laid me off, which I was extremely happy about because I was so unhappy. Because mm. once I got out of my own doing it the way I wanted to do it and the freedom I had, mm. which I worked extremely long hours to create mm-hmm. all this stuff, but in a corporate environment, in a cubicle. Oh, my goodness. Didn't work for me at all. No. That nope. Would, that wouldn't work for me either. Nope. You know, I'm just remembering, um, this is a little bit of an aside, but I also enjoy listening to Adya Shanti. Hmm. And one time Adya Shanti was making this analogy about taking antibiotics, right? Mm-hmm. So the analogy is when doubt and fear will take us off course, mm-hmm. right? And then things can show up like taking a job selling supplements at Costco, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of like an antibiotic in yes. a certain way. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with, at times in life, doing what we need to do to stabilize ourselves, mm-hmm. right? That's a good thing. But then what happens if you take an antibiotic for the rest of your life? Man, no digestion. No, you got you really have problems. Yeah. So... You know that's one of the that's one of the 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 gifts of becoming coming to know the intricacies of our type. Mm-hmm. We can know how to respond. What you know? Oh, this is what my this is what my system does. This what does my system re- need right now? Okay, my system needs a little bit of stabilization. Okay, and then recognize when it's time to let it go. And then as our, as we relax, as especially as sixes, as fear then restores into faith, right? We let ourselves breathe and open to knowing that we are always supported. Mm-hmm. And then get back to then how did you how did you how did you then dovetail getting back to doing podcast work? Well, I was working with a nutritionist try to make a very long story short anyway and i bought this natural ionizer for a company called alkaway in australia on his suggestion had some health turnarounds i was so impressed got laid off in the same month i well i had i had bought some of these and i started selling them on the side the company lays me off um, in the same month i have my birthday the company lays me off and my mother passes wow yeah so a lot right and bang you know and um but then I met Lisa Thorpe, my co-host here at the AlternativeHealthTools.com podcast. And at an event, I, you know, I heard about it and it was, you know, I showed up and had my demo unit and all the rest of it. And I was so impressed with all the people there, the kind of people that she pulled in uh, for practitioners and people selling things. She invited me to a Wednesday lunch with the practitioners. I showed up, and I was so fascinated hearing all these practitioners talk about their stories and how they got involved in it. And I just said, do you want a podcast? So it was like inspiration. You were inspired. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you inspired me today. Thank you. Yeah, when I scheduled you, I was just like, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Talk about juicy, huh? It's really juicy, yeah. you know. I mean, something I'd like to, you know, also say, you know, and thank you for you know, your vulnerable sharing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have a, a little bit of a of a six committee here. Yeah, we do. Um, but there happens to be um, many people who are familiar with the Enneagram have said that there's 
probably over 50% of the human population are sixes in the Enneagram. Really? We have a lot of company. So I'm okay with speaking, spending a little bit of time on on the sixes because, uh, first of all, sixes can get, we can get a bad rap out there. And I want people to know um, the we can be some of the most intuitive human beings that walk the planet. And, um, and it really is possible to live a life connected to the faith, uh, in connected to our inner knowing and our faith Mm -hmm. and to have all kinds of things that you've shared have happened, you know, to you. Um, I've had a litany of things happen in, in my life, um, from, you know, being just cruelly bullied when I was in high school, uh, for uh, being a lesbian, which turns out I'm not a lesbian after all. Um, but it was it. Uh, boy, did I get wadded up after that event, mm. and I I closed up. I closed up, and um, I I stopped trusting people and life, um, and I cultivated a very. Um, a very specific defense that is often not found in Enneagram books. Um, it's called the counterphobic six. Mm-hmm. So then there's the six that looks really confident, mm-hmm. but it's actually this gigantic glass wall of defense that nobody's really going to, you know, I made a decision that nobody was going to hurt me like that again. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, then created a wall where no one was then able to really be intimate with me, but not even myself. I forgot, you know, we, the, the five, six, seven, this is all the mind group, right? And the fear group, this, this, this impacted me in such a way where I wasn't even, I became defended against the fear that was inside of me. Mm. There was no other system until I came to understand the Enneagram that pointed me back in to myself to be able to see, wow, this this bravado that I'm going through life with is a defense. You know, the um the the one of the terms for being a one to one six is strength and beauty. You know, the the Wonder Woman uh, archetype of the world. You know, so I could dress in this beautiful ways and look like I have it going on and look like, oh, everybody would be in relationship with her. Meanwhile, I was lonely. It was all a defense against ever being hurt again. So I I just, I, I bow down to the wisdom of this system like you cannot believe. Um, it has opened an intimacy in myself that now, okay, sometimes I feel a lot of fear. Sometimes I feel a tremendous amount of anxiety. Um, but I am, I know it's going to pass, like the clouds yeah. pass in the sky. Um, I'm grateful for the support system that I do have. I'm, I, I have one. Um, and uh, it continues to reopen open me to living to living in faith. And it's why I'm meeting here with you because I want to support others in unwadding themselves mm-hmm. so that they can live the the true gift of their not only the not only their originating enneagram type but that they we, we can become integrated human beings and enjoy 
the gifts of the other types. Maybe we can flip the chart to, I don't okay. know how much time we have. There isn't, um, yeah, there, the Enneagram is a system unto itself. A lot of, a lot of these systems, you know, numerology, um, oh, it was, it was actually the one after the chart we had up. Um, a lot of these systems that are true, they tend to affirm each other. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a, a numbers person in that, but yes, that's kind I just of, that yeah. is kind of ironic that elevens and nines show up a lot for me more elevens than anything nine. else. Just saying, and and then nine in a way in the enneagram is our as our as our way home, right? So, you think it might be useful to f- go around the circle again in a from a, a different standpoint to speak on this chart sure. on this chart? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So imagine, listeners, that you're looking at a circle, Mm -hmm. and at the top of the circle on the left um, is the the top left, there is the eight, and the top tippy top of the circle is the nine, and then there's the one. The eight, nine, one, these are all part of what's called the the belly or instinct triad. Mm -hmm. So by by nature... um, this all three of these styles begin um, knowing they know their truest truth in their gut, right? And the 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 integration point, um, what they they all either resist or have a um, a challenge with is anger. That mm-hmm. tends to be the that's the that's the the emotion to transform uh, the, their relationship too. That's not to mean that every other type doesn't deal with anger or have anger, but the the eights, for instance, as the protectors and the uh, the more dominating type, they would need to manage their expression of anger. Um, they they can be. Uh, considered the the commanders and um, or are all about um, solidarity solidarity um, and social causes. There's different expressions depending on their emotional style as well. Um, they can also be about um, you know just having an in, just an indulgent satisfaction in living. So. Uh, just wanted to give a little bit of a flavor about the the eights the eights and the enneagram. They are the ultimate protector. Um, and again, I want to emphasize we all have all styles in us. So as we, uh, the beautiful thing is, that, you know, as I'm going around the uh, going around the circle and speaking to some of the gifts and challenges, um, it's actually only that once we have. Um, awake, awoken ourselves, um, unwatted ourselves from our original style, we only, um, we get the gifts of every other type. It's not mm. like we, we don't pick up the challenges of every other type. So after we have done our work, then we get to glean the gifts of all the other nine types. Awesome. All the other eight types. It's very great. So the gifts of the nine are the mediator, the peacemaker, um, as a matter of fact, I think that's just where I'm going to concentrate. The gifts of the one in the Enneagram um, are they're having a powerful relationship to goodness. Um, 
it's not sometimes they can be called the perfectionist, but it really truly is a inner knowing of uh, of goodness of being called to do the right thing in the highest in the highest sense of the word um, can be great visionaries and the the two in each one of us um, the, the two three and four now we're leaving the belly the belly triad now we're going down the bottom of the circle this is the heart triad and um, the heart triad um, the orientation is around feeling funny enough um, the, the these types can be asleep to um, their to feeling so it's sometimes there's a paradox in the name of the triad but the gifts of the two are the nurturer um, the ultimate the ultimate giver um, truly the gift is unconditional giving and the three is the absolute um, ultimate achiever, um, being able to get done and perform in the most consummate, efficient way. Um, they're the, the power of performance, not the onstage kind of performance, the other kind of performance. And then the the four in in each of it, in each of us, um, the four qualities are really owning and celebrating the unique snowflake that we are. Um, that celebrating being able to be real, being able to be our unique, original, individual self. Um, that is the gift of of the four, and what um, being around an awake four will also. Um, uh, waken that in ourselves. Um, the gifts of the five, the observer, um, you know, the five is often known as the the expert. And so there's a, uh, a way of unapologetically knowing, knowing the, the having the knowledge um, that unlocks the that unlocks the keys to the kingdom. Um, the fives have that kind of an omniscient mind. So uh, the gift is being able to open to that part of ourselves as well. And now we're back in the, we're now back in the, the head territory. Um, the, the six, you know, can be known as the loyal skeptic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so know anybody who's skeptical, John? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I, I, most of the time, I think it's pretty healthy. Well, of course, as a six, you is, would say that. Yes, as long as, it, <laughs> as long as it's positive and the people aren't like negative Debbie Downers or Doug Downers or whatever. Right. I don't want to exclude anybody here. You know what's what's funny is yeah. when when we are the type. You yeah. know, well, and you'll often say, "Well, but doesn't everybody think that?" No, it's just what the type speaking the types, yeah. right? So. Um, sure, you know, of course, as sixes, we would think it's healthy to be skeptical, you know, but that might drive another type, you know, nuts yeah. that we're skeptical. Um, but we think a little dose of that's healthy um, in general. But, um, <laughs> and it's, it, it's it, the, of course, the best is to just giggle at ourselves, you know, we, we, it's, and one of the other beautiful things about the Enneagram is it's so not personal. Yeah. You know, when you see, like you were saying, I was as I was describing qualities, you were thinking of people in your life. Mm -hmm. You, you know, yes. While we are, uh, thank you, the fours in the enneagram. While we are all these unique snowflakes, 
at the same time, you get to see, wow, all of humanity shares mm-hmm. in this unfolding. And there's so much more to us as humans, but it explains a lot. And, um, and it gives us a, a compassionate bridge to be able to relate, have compassion uh, and understanding, and also be able to better listen to mm-hmm. where is this other person coming from? Why might they be being that way? See, I like that. I, I, I love talking to people and, and not agreeing with them. I mean, I know this in myself, but it's just like, what would it be like for me to believe how they or what they believe and just experience it? I love listening to people that, or if I don't, you know, like, that's why I like traveling. Yes. Just meet a bunch of different people that uh, are completely different. And come from a different place. Yeah. Come, come for, approach life from a completely different place. Right. Yeah. So, um, and just, you know, just moving on to the, to the mm-hmm. seven, uh, last but not least, um, to finish the inside of the mind group. So the seven is known as the epicure, you know, the, the adventurer, mm-hmm. the, they can be the social visionary as well. Um, they love to taste life, you know, just really enjoy um, indulging in whatever would be an adventure. It could be an adventure on the mental plane. It could be an adventure on the physical plane. Um, so they just, uh, again, I'm going back to the what I was saying about uh, bliss. So they are the ones that love or, or the, the gift of the seven is to return to our original connection to be able to be human and connected to that bliss in mm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, wow, this has been fun. I mean, I've, yeah, I yeah. feel like we, you know, I've, I've gone around the, uh, the circle in a couple different ways. Yep. Just checking the time on the digital recorder. We still have time. So I have two questions for you. Sure. You ready? I'm ready. So you may have spoke about it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is is can you do you have a moment in your life that was totally defining a defining moment that everything changed? Yes, I've had a few, um, but one of the one of the most defining moments for me was when I decided to live. <laughs> <laughs> And and um, and that's actually happened two two times. But before I even had these tools, mm-hmm. um, when you know I was um, I was raised Catholic, mm. and I took to heart um, some of the dogma um, that, however my 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 mind work worked at the time. It had me believing that I was a bad person. Um, I remember as a kid having the uh, part in my French, the bejesus scared out of me about having sex before I would get married. You know, so you combined that with being socially bullied. Um, you know, it was a rough beginning. Yeah. It was a really rough beginning. So there was. Um, there was a point in my life where, believe it or not, the headmistress of this high school, you know, uh, 
you know, absolved me of my final exams. I had already, you know, I was on the dean's list prior to basically having, you know, what was a breakdown at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was given an, a, a reprieve. I was given an emotional reprieve. And I went away to college. And that was when I really started to explore other dimensions, other ways of understanding myself. So that was um, that was a defining moment. Awesome, awesome. And if there's uh, one thing you think people need to hear or know, hmm. one like a health tip. What's the healthiest thing you would say to somebody that you could say to everybody that would be the same? Love yourself. Hmm. Love yourself. So I'm going to take it a little deeper myself, which is, how would you start if you didn't know how? Well, how I start is, I actually start with the Enneagram, because one of the toughest moments to love yourself is when you're feeling badly, Mm -hmm. or if I'm feeling extremely anxious, or um, if all of a sudden I start, yeah, if I start to feel myself overcome with fear. Mm. And so it's those moments that I remember what my Enneagram type is Mm. and that I'm not this fear. I'm actually not this anxiety. This is a mechanism that lives in me, but it's not me. Mm. And so I meet myself, I soothe myself, I relax myself, I begin to remember who I am by relaxing away from the fear. And usually I do that with um, calling a beloved friend who I know will remind me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, you know, it depends on the day, how I do it. Um, but I've made a choice. I have set an intention and every day I start my day with prayer and, um, and that I may be more kind and gentle, compassionate and loving with myself and others than ever before. And this is how I start every day. This wasn't always how I started every day. But I find I find that if I start my day that way, um, it's going to be an easier. It, it 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 is easier for me to remember the love that I am, and nothing thrills me more than to share that and to support other people in opening to that as well. Awesome. Probably going to wind it up here and remind everybody that uh, you can simply go to the uh, website, alternativehealthtools.com, the podcast, and um, we're going to put up imagery. Maybe the first and second page, you think we can find that somewhere? We, we can do that. Okay. So, and, um, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this right now sure. that um, um, would love us to, to develop my Enneagram intuitive website, which uh, right awesome. now um, has its beginnings, uh, but maybe we can roll that out and people can find, find me there as well. Okay. 
So what is the best way to get in touch with you right now? So you can reach me at info at enneagramintuitive.com. And how do you spell Enneagram? E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, intuitive.com. Dot com. Awesome. Or my cell phone. Okay. Good. So you can actually get this podcast episode on our app, because we do have an app if you just go to alternativehealthtools.com. And what will happen is the images that we were just speaking of will actually be loaded up in the app as well. But, of course, you can get us on iTunes, iPhone, Android, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, just everybody, really. And all you got to do is search for Alternative Health Tools. Therese, thanks for being here. Thank you, John. 